Hello and welcome to the Vlogging Pod. Tonight we are joined by award-winning author Kim Sagathas. And I hope I pronounced your last name correct. Well, it was close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll get. Yay! <laughs> Go ahead and pronounce it for me, would you please? It's Gay fist. Okay. So the S is completely science. Silence on that. No, no it's it's sug gay fist. Okay, sug gay fist. Got you. All right. I'm gonna make a mental note on that. Fix that here on my paper. All right. So I wanna start off tonight, right, with talking about nowhere to hide. Because I heard when I was looking it up, I thought that the snippets in the book were based on your life. And I would really like to hear a little bit more about that. Yes. I seem to put little bits and pieces of my life mm -hmm. into all of the writing that I do. I think in some ways it's cathartic for me too. And also I'm hoping that um, by talking about what I've experienced that hopefully I help people understand that they're not the only one going through these things and how I dealt with it um, hopefully will help other people and how they dealt with things. I was bullied as a child and so um, I was bullied by both children and teachers oh. and so I grew up in the 60s and 70s where my younger um, my younger years, uh -huh. and um, I was a darker um, skinned person than the people that were around me, and so they didn't quite know what to make of me, I don't think, and um, we had, we came from a different culture, and then a lot of the people that were around us, and so I think they just didn't understand, but Regardless, um, there was a lot of bullying and teasing and things like that going on. And so I had a tough childhood growing up. Yeah. Well, I can understand that, too. I, I got picked on in school, too. I was the youngest of three. And so I understand where you're coming from. Um, school bus was not a favorite place of mine. <laughs> um so I get that. I, I really do. I I was a little different. I, you know, I teased my hair up real high. You know, you, you know, you're my little rebellious side. And yeah. it wasn't taken, you know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't taken the greatest when I, in my time. And I, I grad, see, I went to school in the 80s and I graduated like in 91, if that really dates me, if anyone wants to do the math on that. <laughs> So I can understand. Um, adolescence is a hard time. It really is. So I can understand that. Now, the, the book, tell little pe tell everyone a little bit more about the book in, in detail, if you wouldn't mind, please. Um, Nowhere to Hide is, it's actually, it's actually a perfect title for that book. Um, so it's part, it's the first book in the autumn, what, what I affectionately call the Autumn Dawn series, and her name is Autumn Dawn in the book. She is a um, a girl who lives on a reservation, and she goes to a reservation school in Minnesota, and she is being bullied. Um, she's dyslexic, so she has trouble reading. She's 
she also has a speech impediment and so she talks a little bit funny just um because she cannot pronounce um some of her letters and so she because of that um she's picked on a lot and though in the meantime um she is going home to parents who are newly separated um and and just she's left to do a lot of chores her mother is gone she's left to raising you know her brother and um, so she has a tough time at home and mom is going through a tough time emotionally due to the separation um, from her husband and so there's all kinds of um, stuff going on with her parents and so she really has nowhere to go to um, talk to anyone or to get any help she feels very alone and it isn't until her um, her father's aunt, um, who just so happens to have her apartment building being renovated, has to move in for a while um, until the renovation is done, that she actually finds um, an ear, somebody who will listen to her and understand what is happening. And so that's really the turning point in her life and um aunt jesse her name is and she's a very pivotal character in the book because she also um, not only helps autumn uh, feel better about herself and um look at her life as the glass being half full instead of half empty mm -hmm. but also is able to help her parents navigate the waters of being separated from each other and what effect that has on their children that they're not realizing. So the it's a very long journey for Autumn. She, um, she ends up running away um, and her parents can't find her. She's gone for a while. I mean, she, she does a lot of stuff um, to try to get away from the situation and um, realizes eventually, as Jesse points out, you know, you can't run away from your problems. They're portable and they follow you everywhere. So right. um, she has to eventually turn around and stand up for herself. And she's being bullied mainly by uh, Sydney, who is a, a girl at school who has kind of a posse of girls with her. And so um, she learns, you know, she has to learn how to stand up for herself and to believe in herself and, and to respect herself. And that's really what the book is about and what this series is about. I, I was very pleased to see that the book is on some scholastic sites for schools. So I think that's very condemned, uh, very, I'm uh, <laughs> tongue tied, sorry. It's very commendable. There you go, there's the right word. It's very commendable. And I was happy to see that this, such a book is on the shelves for such young adults to be able to read. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy too. I um I can relate to Autumn on um, that first book was a a lot of that stuff happened to me. I actually did run away. I ran to a playground Aww. that was town and fell asleep in uh, there was a fort, a wooden fort that was built up and I fell asleep in it. Oh. And uh woke up and it was dark and um, the same thing happened to Autumn. And um so I think um I think it's a believable story. Not only did it happen to me, but I, I do think it's very apropos for the way things um, are unfortunately going 
for some kids mm-hmm. in school, whether it's online bullying or just being bullied to your face in school. And I think it, I'm not, I don't know, unfortunately, I wish I would love to say that it will go away, but I just don't know. And so I think that um, learning how to deal with it just um, on a personal level and making sure your kids know, you know, how to keep their self-esteem up through it all, because that's where it really takes the beating, I think, is your self-esteem. Well, I think your book, um, you might be correct that there might be any way to get completely rid of the situation, but I think your book is one healthy way toward making it happen, if that makes sense. Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. Um, Since we're talking about your books, let's... since we jumped right into your books, I want to say it. And the reason I did was because I found the book, um, I found it very commendable. Again, like I said, I thought it was a right place book and something that could help youth in a very helpful way. Um, but you know what I mean? But especially since you, you yourself went through it, I found it very, something I needed to bring up first and foremost. <laughs> so let's put it that way. Um, but since we did jump right into your books, let's talk a little bit about, um, I think I read that when you write, you you go through a process. You keep it in your head for a while before you actually start to formulate a process for it? I do. Um, I actually um, think about it for a while. It's, it's a while. It's not a day or a week. I mean, it, it can be several weeks. <laughs> Before I sit down, I I don't ever like to sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write a book now. And then I pull up the page and stare at it. So um, I always have an idea of who, who my characters are and the, and the important points of the story that I want to get across. And then as I'm writing, I fill the the rest of it in. And um, I don't, write a synopsis very often unless I need to, unless my editor asks me for it, because it, I have a tendency to listen to my characters and they tend to veer off the synopsis. <laughs> so, um, and so my, my editor doesn't know that about me, but, um, but I, I pretty much have the gist of the story in my head before I sit down and write it. Okay. Well, it would seem from what research I did um, that writing has been in your genes since uh, since your youth, and yeah. keeping that in mind. And since you write for youth too, I know you have other books too that are nonfiction, and I'll get to that. But um, I wanted you to tell me a little bit about that first book. I think it was. I think it veered toward talking about a dog and you wrote it for school and that your teacher really liked that. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think about that once in a while. I had a wonderful teacher and we had to write a story about a dog. And so I, I wrote this nice, probably too long story. <laughs> Most kids were writing a page or a paragraph and I was going on and on, but she called me up and, um, and uh, after the class had ended and sat me down and told me how much she loved my story and how she loved my characters and how I should be a writer someday because this is something that seems to come naturally to me and I'm a good storyteller. I never forgot that because 
um, we moved around a lot as a child and I never remembered a whole lot of my teacher's names, but I did, I always remembered her because, and I think it's so important for teachers to take that. It took her five minutes out of her day and it, it pretty much changed my whole life. I mean, I knew from then on that that's what I was going to do was write. And so I just needed that, um, push in that direction and someone telling me that I could do it. Um, that was really important to me. It, it always takes that one teacher to make such a great impact. It, it really does. It changes your how outlook, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, so, so we talked about your youth-generated books. I want to take a minute and speak about native fiction. Tell us more about the genre and what you would like to see more coming out of the native fiction drama. Um, what I would like to see coming out. I, I really, um, I really like books that are based in some form of reality or some uh, reality meaning how things really are mm -hmm. um, i i there's a lot of really great books out there that i've read that are um they're kind of steeped in some mythology about native americans and they play on that mm -hmm. and while the story is really good it i kind of shake my head when i'm <laughs> done reading it um, so I like stories that really, um, talk about what it is, you know, the, the tough road that it is to be native as well as the joyful road right. that it is. And so I think as, I think if people pick those books up and they're going to get a better idea of the culture and why we do things that we do and why we celebrate things that we do and the, um, and just about how we think about life and how we think about things and it's not really all that different than how everyone else thinks about things but i think native americans um people there's a mysticism to being a native american people now um will come up to me and be very excited if they have a little bit of um, native in their background mm -hmm. and that's really come uh, full circle from, you know, 60 years ago when you'd never told anyone you were Native, you know, because <laughs> you couldn't get a job or a place to live or anything else. So um, I think we're moving forward as a society in that, but I really do like the books that are, like I said, that are steeped in a lot of, um, a lot of the history or a lot of the culture. Right. Hopefully that will continue to grow. Joe Bruchak, um, Tim Tingle, uh, Louise Erdrich, all the Native writers that I know, um, and then, you know, those those are real good books for people to be reading um, about the culture and how things are. Right. Well, I, I can get it. I would probably be the same way. I'd be like, hey, guess what? I have a little bit of Indian in me. <laughs> so I I can get the excitement. And I think the thing is, is when we this generation, we start to do a lot more of our genealogy. So when we start to dig deeper into that, my mother did that. Of course, we already knew that we had, we were Cherokee. 
And of course, my father, my maiden, my mother's maiden name was Chisholm, which, you know, the whole Chisholm of, uh, you know, trail and stuff like that. That's where their name came from. So I get that sense. Um, but for me, I, we only, I, my, me and my sisters, we only have enough that we're like the last of the line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it just, it goes down that much. So I can excite, I can understand the excitement when you start to go down that and you, you learn about your past and that you have a place, you know what I'm saying? Among that. I know there are some negative as far as being Native American, but I know for myself, I wish that I would have been able to touch that bit of my life, that piece of my life of the past a little bit more than I can. So I can understand the excitement. So you're saying basically you would like to see a more realistic view from Native Americans. Um, would you talk about history or just in fiction itself? You know, <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, some history, but, you know, in reality, I don't think people understand, um, for example, um, a good example is I don't think people really understand what it's like to live on the reservation. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're, you know, the <laughs> Some people will ask me if, you know, if they're all, if people are all laying in the street, you know, <laughs> destitute and, you know, drugged out and drunk and, you know, and, and it's, you know, obviously they've never been to a reservation. And are there people like that? Well, sure there are, but there's people like that everywhere. So it's not just right. the reservation. Right. But, yeah. But I think just how, you know, how are we doing now and what are we doing now and what contributions are we making to society now? You know, I, I probably will not live long enough for this society to actually stop introducing people as a culture instead of saying, um, you know, the first Native American woman to run this or the first African American man to do this. And it'll, I wish we had, we would come to the day where you could just introduce somebody and not have to introduce what culture they're from. Right. Because right. we're all the same people, you know, basically, you know, we're all love and hurt the same way. So um, I think, I think the, um, I think that it's important that people realize that, that we're, we are all human beings. That's what we're all, um, that's, we're all here going through the same stuff, you know, regardless what culture it is, how we deal with it is what's different, I right. think, from one. Okay. So, yeah. Well, since we're talking about um, Native fiction, let's take a minute and talk about um, Native Elders. I believe this is your nonfiction book? Yep, that's one of the nonfiction books, yep. Um, I wrote Native Elders and Native Writers. Um, Native Elders was a really fun book to write. It was a really tough book to get going um, when you approach an elder about anything, you there's a certain protocol. Mm -hmm. And um, when I needed to interview them for the book, um, I did not have the option of flying all over the country <laughs> and can't to get to, you know, to go through the whole protocol with every single um, elder. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, approach an elder with tobacco um and that's just one of the ways that um you ask permission to speak to them um, about their life and so 
getting going took me a little bit of time, but I loved writing the book. Um, there are uh, elders in both the U.S. and Canada that are featured in that book. Um, Percy Henry is in that book. He is a Canadian. Um, he lives at the top of Canada, which is pretty far away from where I live. And um, he is one of two people that speaks his culture. He's actually, he's got to be over 100 oh. now. Oh. His story is very interesting, and they're all very, very interesting stories about how they grew up and um, how they perceived the world and what their, you know, what their advice is, you know, and that sort of thing. And and um, so it was really, it was very interesting to do interviews. And actually, he doesn't speak much English, so I had to go through an interpreter when I talked to him. That's interesting. Um, we've only, I, I stopped the timer because I didn't want it to beep out you. <laughs> so I'm typically out of time, but I do have a couple more questions. So if you don't mind, would you mind if I go ahead with a few more questions? Okay. Okay. So um, tell me what the phrase accomplish something means to you. <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but my husband is a substitute teacher, uh-huh. and he writes on the board every day, accomplish something. Um, accomplish something. To me, that means um, do something positive every day for yourself or for somebody else. Um, it means, for me personally, it means um, to... Either I can try to get something done that's going to um, move myself along to a better place. So if I'm working on a book, um, my accomplishment for that day might be I've sat and thought about what I'm going to write about, or maybe I've done research. Um, it can also mean that maybe I've reached out to somebody that I knew was going through a hard time um, that has, you know, the seasonal depression. I have a lot of friends that have that. So I think accomplishing something is just um, reaching out and making sure you're you're doing something every day, whether you know it's for yourself or for somebody else. Right. Well, that's touching. Actually, the reason I brought that phrase up was because I read that your husband brings that up to you. Yeah. <laughs> but also, since you talked about seasonal depression, that leads into my very last question. Um, as we're going into the whole holidays for this month, and I know there's a lot of holidays even outside of the months, and we don't have to just talk about Christmas or Hanukkah or, you know, whatever other things coming up for New Year's and the many more that are follow. Um, but tell me about a holiday that you could see finding your way into your books and why. We've got about, oh, about six more minutes, if you wouldn't mind. Okay, a holiday that has found its way into my books. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! <laughs> do do do! do. No, I'm <laughs> just decent. <laughs> I think. Um, I think the you know. I grew up. I'm I'm native, but my father died when I was one, and he was native, and my mom was white. Okay, she was Caucasian, mm-hmm. and so I grew. up. Irish Catholic and so I think in some of the books um, that Irish Catholic upbringing comes up a little bit more than the natives sometimes Um, I think um, 
combine com learning how to combine those two um, has shown up in some of my books as well. Um, but I don't know that I've actually spoken about a specific holiday in my books. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I can't, it's hard to answer that because I, I haven't written a whole chapter on, you know, Christmas, you know, with autumn done. So it's, it's not like that, I guess. Um, but I do think that ha if I was to write um, some kind of a um, excerpt from my own life, that's what it would be. It would be probably what I have now, which is sitting down with, um, you know, for Christmas with some Irish stew and some turkey and wild rice, um, you know, kind of a dish mm -hmm. um, that I learned from one grandma and the other grandma. You know, um, our our meals now and our, our holidays now are a combination of native foods and um, and Irish <laughs> Irish foods. So we have kind of a strange. <laughs> collection of food on our table. And so that's probably what will go into the books as well. Right. Well, I think that you are perfect of a blended um, trait through your entire family. You seem to be the pivotal point to bring both to connect. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. I think that brings both sides of your family traditions into one. And then you can carry that on to your family. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on and putting up with my random because I'm telling you, I get tongue-tied. <laughs> but I want to thank you so much. You were an awesome guest. I really love the book and the whole ideas behind it, especially your ones relating to the youth. And I think you take an issue and you take a spin on it, not just with your native heritage, but just as going through adolescence in itself, because I think it, it speaks to what a lot would be going through during that time in their lives. I want to thank you again for our guests for being on tonight. I know we're getting close to the holidays, and I'm trying to do the best we can to greet each day with a pleasant smile like you guys bring to me. Thanks for joining us tonight. Come back next Thursday. Um, I think it's the 30th before uh, New Year's and we'll have another show. Thank you again for coming in. Have a great evening, everyone. Bye-bye for now.